0: we thank you for the good news of joy that you have planted deep within our hearts through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Father, this room is filled with men and women who can give testimony of your salvation, of your goodness, of your faithfulness. Father, you have called us. Through, through the uh, IMB
1: is Johnny John. and Donald Moss. So, so, Father, we have been there. We have a team going
0: there very shortly next month They're, They're supported, supported through, through our giving to the program, through the giving, giving to the the moon. moon. So, so Father, Father, in your grace, grace in the last couple of years, years we have now been able to put a face, face. Uh, Father, with, with this giving. Lord, we also recognize that there are missionaries who are going to the ends of the earth who are not part of the IMB, but who are raising funds of their own. Father, we, in the last year, have formed a partnership with the, with the Yanceys. And so, Father, we also want to pray for them as, again, you've allowed us to now have a face to, to go along with our prayers and our giving and being able to go to these places in Ecuador and other places around the world. So, Father, we just pray for them. We pray for health this Christmas season. We pray for peace. We pray for joy. And we pray that the gospel would go forth in mighty and powerful ways. For your glory and your honor, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last Sunday, I told you that I was hopeful that we would have a wonderful surprise for you. A surprise that I can literally say I have been waiting for all year long. Many of you, most of you in this room are going to know this couple as soon as I mention their name. But we've had a lot of you who have started visiting within the last year who have never met this incredible, awesome, joy-filled couple because of the battle that they've had to fight this past year. And so once a month, we've been doing times of testimony, times of salvation. This is not gonna be a testimony of salvation, but a testimony of God's faithfulness. They asked if they could share a few words. So would you please welcome for the first time in 2022 in our church, Tim and Janie Potter.
2: Wow, babe, do you realize this is our first time at church this year?
1: Surely you've got to be kidding.
2: I'm not kidding, and all right, I had to get had that to. obnoxiousness out of the way. Um, and I, I, you know what? I'm I'm not going to say a whole lot. I, you're welcome, um, <laughs> because I want to save uh, let Janie say anything that she wants to uh, share. But, you know, I, I, first thing I want to say is that, you know, you know, not only do I get to celebrate uh, the greatest gift ever given in, in Christ, but, you know, this year I get to celebrate a really great gift of being able to celebrate it with this awesome lady right here. And and I want to put everybody at ease. So the other other day when we were at the doctor, I said, you know what? I need to, uh, you know, verify that, you know, hey, it's okay for us to go back to church. And the doctor said, yep, you guys are certainly welcome to go back to church. Just make sure you're wearing your masks. And then Janie said, well, what about hugging? Because I can't go back to church unless I can hug. So uh, the doctor said, yep, as long as you got your mask on. So uh, she is free to hug. Um, But... No, um, I also uh, let's see, I gotta actually make a note. All right, so the the only other thing that I wanted to share was uh, the biggest adjustment for me in this whole deal is the fact that well she's cold all the time. Now I know Janet is like really excited to have somebody in her um, in that cold club, but um, it's been quite an adjustment for me and anybody who's ever been to our house. Understands that, right? Because it went from a house that was at 45 degrees all the time to somebody that's now it's 75, and she's like, whoo, it's like a nor'easter in here." <laughs> but, uh, but, anyways, um, like I said, now I'm just gonna shut up and uh, allow this lovely lady to share.
1: Good morning. First of all, I just want to say how happy I am to be here, and how happy I am to be here. The power of prayer, I don't think much needs to be said about it. If you don't believe it, just look. This is the power of prayer from Alaska to Australia and in between. I have, we, we've had people praying that we don't even know. I mean, and how awesome is that? It's like, hey, let's pray for these people. Um, there's so, so many people to thank, and, and I've tried to come up with a word other than thank you. Well, I failed. I don't know that there is a word that can say what I really feel in my heart towards everybody here, our church family. I've missed you all, and I'm going to honestly say I'm more than I thought I would. <laughs> <laughs> Just being honest, you know, I mean. I I, that might be terrible to say, but it's the truth. (laughs) So yeah, I really did miss you all, and most of you know that know me. I'm a blubbering fool, and I'm gonna try not to cry because this is a happy day, and and in my heart, I just I am. It's just exploding. There's so many people that did so many wonderful things for us. Um, Just all everything, the food, the money, the gift cards, the I mean, the prayer, that's just got to be number one. I thank God for each and every one of you, and I thank God for this man right here. This has been my rock. Now I'm going to cry. I think anybody that knows us knows us, (laughs) and and Tim is just, he's my rock. And we got through this year, and we're going to get through another and another and another. So I just want to thank you and thank you and thank you for everything that has been done and said and just the prayer that, has, um, that we have felt. We, we just want to express our love and gratitude for our church family. Thank you.
0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Father, from the beginning of of the service, the lighting of the joy candle, all the way to the end of the service when we're going to have some fun, giving away some prizes for the ugliest sweater. Father, the theme is joy. A lost world doesn't understand this joy. To a lost world, it's about happiness, which is dependent upon feelings and circumstances. The happiness that is there when you're on the mountaintops when the marriage is rock solid when you're healthy when you've got a job when your bank account looks good but joy is not dependent upon circumstances joy is something that you give jesus and therefore nothing can take away not even cancer father i know anyone who is been in communications with Tim and Janie, know that this year has not been easy. There have been many valleys, many sick days, difficult days. Fathers, we're going to talk about it in the sermon Satan's firing those darts at us, Satan has been attacking temptations to doubt to question the goodness of god why would god allow this to happen the faithfulness of god where are you but god we have seen over this last year and you have allowed us by your grace to be a part of that this morning to see that there is a testimony even in the midst of sickness so god we thank you for healing thank you God, for healing. That was of your grace and your mercy and an answer to prayer, and we thank you for that. But Father, we also thank you for a marriage that got even stronger, that is a testimony, God, of to what a marriage should look like when Christ in the middle, The, the covenant that we make with one another in sickness and in health till death do us part. Thank you for allowing that to be on display. Thank you for... God, just bringing them back here today, what a joy that has been. And continue to be with them as they continue to heal and recover. And, and Lord, just continue to help things to go as smoothly as they possibly can. Continue to build back her strength and her immune system, Janie's, and just, just be with them every step of the way. Fathers, we continue to worship you in song. Lord, may we sing from the depths of our heart because we have reason to sing this morning, to praise you, because you are a great God and greatly to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and let's just worship together. Pre-K 3 and 4, and then kindergarten through second grade. So they're going to make their way out. Everybody else will take their Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Now listen, you have to do me a favor. I wrestled this week whether or not I was going to preach in this, what I think is an awesome sweater, because it's Kentucky Wildcats. Thanks to Miss Andy and David Masden, who bought me this after last year when I didn't have an ugly sweater to wear. Uh, I debated on whether preaching in this right when it comes to the preaching of God's word. I think it's to be serious, and then I just didn't change. And so, please don't let the Grinch distract you from the gospel. I see some of you got some lights and some bells, and I won't let that distract me. So let's just work uh, together on that. So um, Ephesians chapter six, verses sixteen and seventeen, as we continue in the armor of God. Let me start by asking you a question: Are you are you a trusting person? Do you find it easy to trust people, things? Do you find it easy to put faith in things? And the second question I want to ask you is this. Does it really matter that you're a trusting person if the person or the object you are trusting in isn't trustworthy? I think about the peanuts cartoons right you know the the deal with charlie brown and lucy i saw this recently they have the thanksgiving episode and they almost always start the same way lucy's got the football right the grinch has got a football here and she's trying to get charlie brown to kick the football and the thanksgiving one she's like i promise i'm not going to trick you and pull it away it's thanksgiving she talks about the tradition of the great football kick i don't even know if that is a tradition but that's what she talks about and so she convinces Charlie Brown. He's a trusting person. There's no way she'll pull it away on Thanksgiving with this tradition. And so he gets this huge running start, right? And he takes off running, and he goes to kick it. And what does Lucy do? We all know it's coming. She pulls the ball away, and there goes Charlie Brown flying in the air, and he falls down, and she makes some comment about how traditions and things change. And Right? She tricked him. We knew it was coming, but he's a trusting person. But does it matter... If you're a trusting person, if the person you're trusting in can't be trusted. And here's why I want to bring that up. Paul, in our text this morning, calls us to take up the shield of faith and to put on the helmet of salvation. And if we're going to do this, if we're going to break that down, if we're going to do this, you and I need to know a very important truth at the start of this. And here it is. Our God is trustworthy. Amen? Our God can be trustworthy. Trusted. Romans 4 21 says, right, Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So, as we think about taking up this shield of faith, our faith in God, as we think about the assurance of salvation that God gives to us, as we think about these darts that Satan shoots at us, these darts of temptation, you and I have to know at the outset that God and his word can be trusted. So we're going to look at that. If you have your Bibles, would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. So we work our way through the armor of God, the fourth and fifth pieces this morning, the sixth piece next week, beginning at verse 14, "...stand therefore..." Notice the language here, "...having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness..." and to shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now notice he changes his language. Verse 16, in all circumstances, now rather than having put on, he says take up. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You may be seated i want to begin by thinking about the shield and the helmet before you do that i want you again draw your attention to the language the first three pieces he uses the word having then he changes to the word take so if you think about the roman armor the first three pieces the belt of truth right the breastplate of righteousness the shoes the roman soldier when he was on the battlefield didn't take those off He was always ready by wearing those three pieces. But then the other three pieces, they didn't wear continually, but they kept near them so that they could take them up. The shield, put on the helmet. That would be uncomfortable to try to sleep in. You'd put on the helmet, and you would take up your sword. An illustration I heard this week that helped me think about this is you think about a baseball player. A baseball player who's on a team, but he's not in the starting lineup. Where do you find him? You find him on the bench. If you were to go into the dugout, he's still in uniform. He's not in street clothes, he's in his uniform, even though he's not playing, he's ready to go in, just as the Roman soldier would have been in his uniform. But then when the manager looks at this player and says, hey, you're up to bat, let's go, he's already in the uniform, he walks over, he takes his helmet, he puts it on, he takes up the bat, and he's ready to go hit. So these Roman soldiers, part of their gear was always on, and then at their disposal was always their shield, their helmet, and their sword. And so one of those pieces, and I believe these are graces that God gives to us, is a shield. Now in the Old Testament, the shield was used as an image of God's protection. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. God is our shield. Now think about the Roman soldier. The Roman soldiers had shields. There was a couple different types of shields that they could use. One of them was a small circular shield. It was round. It was small. The other type of shield, the one that Paul is speaking to here, is a larger one called the scutum. This is what Paul would have had in mind. It was about four feet high by two and a half feet wide. It was often joked about being a door because it would have been almost the size of a door for them. Historians say, folks, back then were shorter than we are today. A six-foot-four guy couldn't hide behind a four-and-a-half-foot shield, but back then they probably could have fit a little bit better, right? It was The shield was covered with leather. The, the, the front row of the soldiers, you've seen this in movies, as they're marching together, they would have these big shields. They would let the shields be touching edge-to-edge, to edge, and they would stand in defense, So that when the darts would come, right, those shields would block the darts. As you get closer, as they're throwing objects on you, those shields could be used to protect the soldiers who were coming in behind. So simple, right? They had a shield that they would take up. They also had a helmet that they would put on. Now, not only does Paul, and I've mentioned this every week, have in mind the Roman soldier, he also has in mind the prophecy of Isaiah. So in Isaiah 59 Verse 17, we read these words. He, this is speaking of the Messiah, the warrior, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. So Roman soldiers, right, had helmets. Helmets that were made of bronze or iron. You've seen pictures. They would have cheek pieces that would come down on the side. Now, a helmet's important. Why? Because a helmet protects your head, which is where your brain is located. So whether you are a soldier today, right, wearing a helmet, or right, you're riding your scooter, or you're playing football, or you're riding a motorcycle, right? You wear a helmet because the brain is vital to protect and it communicates to the rest of your body. And it's the brain, right, that would protect, or the, the helmet that would protect the head. So he tells them: take up your shield, put on your helmet. Now what? the shield and the helmet to represent because again we're not talking here about you walking into church on sunday with a helmet and a shield and you're like i'm ready to go pastor we're not talking physical we're talking spiritual warfare so what do these represent well he tells us verse 16 in all circumstances take up the shield of what faith now everyone in this room and everyone alive has differing degrees of faith and trust Every single one of you just trust and believe certain things are going to happen. Like when you're sitting down for a meal, you are not having this massive battle within your head of, is the chef trying to poison me? Maybe you thought, is my wife trying to poison me? But that's a marriage counseling issue for you, right? You don't question those things. You sit down, you're like, bring me the food, and you eat it. When you're going across a bridge, I don't know how many of you stop Backing traffic up, praying, Lord, please, may this bridge not collapse. You just drive across the bridge. I remember back in high school, we were going on a choir trip to Virginia Beach. You ever been into Virginia Beach, the Chesapeake area? You have to go across a long bridge. Remember that? And as you're going across the bridge, it becomes a tunnel. You're going under the water. Some of you probably had a panic attack. Like If you don't like water and you don't like tunnels and you put those together, you're probably like, Lord Jesus, help me. Lord Jesus, help me. But you don't think about those things most of the time. You just do them. So we all have right a certain amount of faith or trust. The Greek word here for faith, it's the noun, it's pistis. It's the idea of trust. The verb form is pistuo. It means I believe or I trust. The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says God initiates the relationship between himself and human beings. He expects people to trust him. Failure to trust him was in essence the first sin. Harper's Bible Dictionary says trust in or reliance on God who is himself trustworthy. You can't trust someone who is not trustworthy so can you trust the God of the Bible and the answer is yes you trust him you believe in him because he is the living God and you hold fast to the promises of the living God I read this week of a missionary by the name of John Patton he was translating the Bible for a South Seas Island tribe And in his translating from English into their language, he realized they had no word in their language for trust or faith. So he's sitting there one day working through this, and a native who had been out running hard came into the missionary's home. He flopped himself in the chair, and he said this, It's good to rest my whole weight on this chair. And at that moment, John Patton Knew how to translate faith. He said, I will translate faith as resting one's whole weight on God. That's faith. You are trusting your entire life, your hopes, your dreams, everything, and you are putting it all on God and who He says He is. Now, Paul speaks of faith in this letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, he says for this reason because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 he says for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? It's it's this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. You're saved by grace through faith. In Mark chapter 1 verse 15 Jesus said repent and believe, have faith in the gospel. Mark 11:22 Jesus answered them, have faith in God. In Acts 16, verse 30, the Philippian jailer says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Put your trust in Jesus and you will be saved. In 1 John chapter 5, First John chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, we read this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And we say, oh, so it's our faith, our level of faith, that overcomes the world. No. Who is it, verse 5, that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? It's not so much how much faith you have. We want that faith to grow. We pray, Spirit of God, increase my faith. But the key for us is the object of our faith. It's in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who saves. So Paul tells us, take up the shield. That shield, the grace that God has given us, is faith. Faith in God. And then he says we are to put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Salvation is the message about God saving people. John 3, verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus' own words said he came to seek and what? Save the lost. So here's the deal this morning you needed a savior. You need a Savior. You need someone to rescue you. Why? Because Paul has already laid it out clearly in Ephesians. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You you, you were separated from Christ. You were disobedient, rebelling against God, and you are under the wrath and condemnation of God. You are on your way to hell, and you can't save yourself. You needed a rescuer. And Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation, and believed in Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, we read, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Acts four twelve. There is salvation in no one else but the name of Jesus. First John four fourteen. The Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Revelation chapter seven verse ten. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So here's what Paul's saying. You take up the shield which is faith. You put on the helmet, which is salvation. Why? Because there is an evil one. There is an evil one. He says that at the end of verse 16. The flaming darts of the evil one. Earlier on, he tells us the schemes of the devil. There is an evil one. And this evil one, Satan, is going to take his fiery darts and he's going to keep hurling them at you. And then, he is going to seek to take and repeatedly try to bring blows against your mind and your thoughts. And therefore, you must take up the graces that God has given us. You must take up the armor, the shield of faith, and you must put on the helmet of salvation. Why? Verse 16. Take up the shield of faith, and this is how we'll finish our time, with which you can extinguish All the flaming darts of the evil one. Can I draw your attention to two really important words there? The first is extinguish. Not he just stops them. He extinguishes them. The second one is the word all. Not some of the darts or some of the temptations, but all of them that the enemy fires at you, can be extinguished if you take up the shield of faith and put on the helmet of salvation so right these arrows would have been dipped in pitch and they would have been lit you've seen this in movies and they would have fired them at the people and these soldiers would have had these shields and this leather would be doused in water so that when the flaming arrow hit the leather it would either bounce off and fall to the ground or it would extinguish the arrow because of the leather that had been wet so what is it that helps us overcome these darts of temptation it is faith in the lord jesus and it is the assurance of salvation that the lord jesus gives us so here's the question for you will you doubt or will you believe what god has said Because the arrows of temptation are coming, even while we speak. Take for example, the temptation to fear. Satan right now has that arrow ready and it's coming. And it's the temptation to fear. It is the temptation right now that Satan is working in some of your hearts and your minds where he is saying, listen, believe me don't believe god i mean really can you trust god i mean you just lost your job can you really trust god i mean would a good god allow you now going into the christmas season to wonder how can you pay the bills my goodness you just got diagnosed with cancer why would a good sovereign god allow one of his children to go through this Like, Can you really trust God? You begin to think about the future. You begin to think about the condition of America and the world. And you become overwhelmed with fear. And the question is, will you believe? Will you believe, brothers and sisters, that God is who He says He is? Will you believe that God has done what He said He did? And will you believe that God will do what he has promised to do? Those darts are coming. They will take you out unless you take up the shield of faith that your God is who he says he is, that he's done what he said he's done, and he will do what he has promised to do. But that's not it. Some of you right now, you're not struggling with the temptation to fear, your struggle's different, it's the temptation to pride. Satan's got that door man it's coming it's the temptation to pride this is exactly how Satan got Adam and Eve he said to Eve did God really say and Eve was right no God did not really say what you said she recognized in the moment that Satan had twisted but then he got her because he said listen paraphrase God's really withholding some things from you. God knows that if you eat of this, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like Him. Hmm. You mean I can be like God? Okay. And right now, that's the temptation that Satan is hurling at you. You deserve better than what God has given you you don't deserve to be unhappy in your marriage you deserve better than that you deserve that promotion that you didn't get god kept that from you because he doesn't want you to experience the real joy that you want you think and following your heart and your dreams well if i just could live like this if the church would just let me be who i want to be i'll be happy Because I know better than God. The question is, will you believe that you are not great and greatly to be praised, but that God is great and greatly to be praised? When Satan comes with these temptations of lifting yourself in a place of pride, will you humble yourself to say, no, only Jesus gets the glory and The praise but that's not all he's got some more arrows some of you right now man he's shooting that temptation to doubt to doubt right at you anybody in here i'm ashamed to admit that i did this when i was younger any of you ever do that thing where you pick up a flower with some petals and you he loves me right she loves me she loves me not She loves me. She loves me. Like, there's so much uncertainty. Does she or does she not? Right? When you you got that, you're young and you got that love, right? And some of you, if you're honest, that's where you are this morning. There is uncertainty in your heart, there is doubt. God, do you really love me? Do you not, Satan? God, am I saved or am I not? God, am I in Christ or, man, am I not? Have I been made right with you, God, or have I not? Am I forgiven or am I still going to go to hell? God, am I your son or am I not? Am I your daughter or am I not? And you are overwhelmed with these feelings and these emotions, but hear me you and I have to start thinking biblically and correctly about salvation if you get nothing else out of this message please hear what I'm about to say it is not what you feel it's what you know it is not what you feel It's what you know. We live in a world that it's all about feelings. Well, I feel this. I want to do this. I I feel this is the right thing to do. It's not about your feelings. It's about what you know. R.C. Sproul writes Although Satan cannot kill the soul, he can wound the mind. And he's firing these darts at you right now as I speak. And the scripture says you are to take every thought captive for Christ. Brothers and sisters, If you know the Word of God, and there's been a moment in your life where you have repented and believed, then the Bible says you are saved. Now, if you are not walking in repentance and there is no fruit whatsoever, then I would say you need to look into your life. But for many of us, the problem is we've given our life to Jesus, we've repented, but we look at ourselves and we think, well, I'm not living the way that I need to live. There's all kinds of things in me that shouldn't be there. And we begin to question and doubt God's ability to save. So here's the good news. Here's the helmet of salvation. It's the assurance of salvation. It is where you can say, based upon the Scriptures and my faith in Jesus, i have been saved from the penalty of sin that the penalty death in hell for my sin has been paid for in jesus christ i know that because i know what the word says but then to be able to say i am presently being saved from the power of sin Brothers and sisters, you are still going to struggle with sin. You are in the flesh. Satan is always tempting you. But can you say, listen, Satan, you can't bring these tactics with me because I know whom I believed in and am persuaded right, that he's able to keep me. I know he has given me victory so you can take your temptations and you can go back to hell with them because I've got victory in Jesus. You have no power here in my present life but then to be able to say i know that i will one day be saved from the presence of sin brother sister do you know that like can you say confidently look when jesus comes when i take that final breath i know where i'm going because i know whom i have believed in To be convinced of that Charles Hodge says that which adorns and protects the Christian which enables him to hold up his head with confidence and joy is the fact that he is saved. And you know that not because of you but because you have believed in Jesus and you know he's trustworthy. And then one last temptation and maybe some of you are here it is the temptation to guilt. It is the temptation that Satan hurls at us that leads us to despair and discouragement. I read this week this quote, Satan seeks to torment you with sins guilt so he can dominate you with sins power. Some of you right now, man, you're you're looking inwardly and this is exactly what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to look inwardly because when you look inwardly, you know what you see? Your sin your shortcomings, and your failures. Satan right now saying to some of you men, what's wrong with you? What kind of father are you? Always failing, always coming up short. What kind of husband are you? Like if you're a believer in Christ, would you really talk to your wife this way? And he does the same thing to you ladies. What kind of mom are you? At night, man, you're just weeping because you messed up again. You feel that you can never measure up. Never never is your husband satisfied. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to stay in this place of guilt and shame and self-pity, and I'm worthless and I can never get it right, because when he takes you there, he still got you captive. And that's exactly what he's doing. He's wanting you to stay in a place of guilt and shame. He wants you looking in. Listen to this quote I read this week. The true safeguard in the evil day lies ever, not in introspection, but in that look wholly outward, Godward, which is the essence of faith. Brothers and sisters, hear me. There is to be a certain element of guilt. When you sin against God, that's the Spirit convicting you this is sin. You repent of it. But Jesus does not want you walking in a place of despair and failure where you're always looking inward and you're always beating yourself up. Because as long as you keep looking inside, you're always going to walk in a defeated position. You are not to look inward, you are to look upward. You look to God and you trust in his promises. We're going to sing a song in just a minute. It's called Before the Throne of God Above and we're singing it for a reason. Because I think it speaks to this very issue. But the second verse says this, When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Well, Jesus knows. He knows Satan is coming. He knows right now those fiery darts are on the way. That he's throwing things at your mind and taking your thoughts. And So what does God in his grace do? He says take up the shield of faith. Put on the helmet of salvation right now and every day, brothers and sisters. You must trust in all that Christ has accomplished for you every day you trust in Jesus this is what you have accomplished for me it is not what you feel it's what you know so let me end this way if you are a follower of Jesus Christ there has been a moment in your life where you put your faith and all of your weight and you rested it upon Jesus I don't care what satan is saying to you right now i want you to hear who you are and i want you to walk and live in that power so who are you here's what i know according to the god, the word of god in christ you are alive you are alive to christ and to the things of god in christ you are redeemed You have been saved from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and one day from the presence of sin. In Jesus, you are forgiven. But pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't know what you've done. But I know what Jesus did upon the cross. And he said he paid it all he paid it all so trust in that brother sister you are forgiven walk in that forgiveness here's what else i know you have been reconciled to god the father you are no longer alienated and separated you are one you have that communion and that fellowship with god available to you through the holy spirit who indwells you And dwells every single one of you because the Bible says "At the moment of salvation you are sealed with the Spirit. He comes. He's in you. He's there. All the power that you could ever need is there because Paul says you've been sealed with the Spirit. It's there for you. Let me tell you something else. You have been raised and you are already seated with Christ. So if you, according to Ephesians, are already raised and seated with Christ you tell me what can satan's fiery darts do to you there nothing the problem is we fail to take up the shield of faith in god and put on that assurance of salvation why because satan's powerful and he's cunning and he comes for every one of us and he knows where we're weak and he knows where we're vulnerable. And he's got those fiery darts with your name on them and they're coming. And maybe right now you sit here and you've bought into the lies of Satan. You've given in to the temptations that he has offered you. But there's good news. At the foot of the cross, Jesus Christ's blood has covered you. There is forgiveness, there is healing, and there is deliverance. Know who you are in Christ and live in that truth it is not about how you feel it's about what you know do you know jesus do you know jesus would you close your eyes and bow your head father we're about to sing a song of praise before the throne of god above right now lord as we sing this we we stand god in your presence we are before you you see us you know us And this very moment, Satan is not just backpedaling because we are in this building together to say, well, I'm not going to attack them. Even right now, Satan is attacking. So so Jesus, would you help us to take up the shield of faith? Would you help us to put on the helmet of salvation? God, right now, would you help us as we see these words... As we sing these words with all of our heart in response to the word that we have heard, would you help us to take up the shield of faith, to put on that helmet of salvation, of the assurance of salvation, and to know that we are in Christ, there is victory, that you are not finished with any of us yet, but that you are working presently in our lives, making us more like Jesus, but we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to repent. We have to look to you, Jesus. The temptation is to look within, but no, God, right now we want to look to Christ. We want to look to Jesus who purchased our salvation, who right now is at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf, and we know is coming back. So we trust you, Lord Jesus, as we sing this last hymn of praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand and let's just sing this song together.
3: For the throne of God above I was strong. Thank you.